All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to episode number two, live stream number two of this Friday, August 20th. Welcome. I'm glad that you're here with me. If you're listening on audio after the fact, we do actually live stream our Boca podcast episodes, every single one of them now. If you follow us at Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H Podcast on Instagram, we'll keep you up to date with the next live stream, the upcoming live streams. Make sure you follow us there. And we'd love for you to come hang out with us, ask questions, comments. Uh, if you want to send us a funny emoji or two, that's fine too. But we're streaming to youtube.com slash Boca Podcast and then facebook.com slash Boca Podcast. We're pushing out there live right now, actually. So if you want to go back and watch the live streams, you can go there, the replays of the live streams, but come hang out with us there for future episodes. We'd love to have you. Before I introduce our brand new guest for today, I also want to remind you, encourage you really to look for opportunities to give back. Uh, as I promised you, I would do before every single episode today, two episodes, I've donated to Charity Water, which is an organization, and I just popped a receipt up there on the screen. But this is an, an organization that I have been giving to for a number of years. Our company has been associated with for a number of years as well. And it's just an opportunity to be able to give to somebody in need. In their case, of course, they're providing clean drinking water. But I would just want to encourage everybody to look for opportunities to even just give small amounts of money to whether it's local community organizations or national and international organizations. Look for those opportunities. Uh, We're pretty lucky. And uh, let's look for opportunities to kind of pay that forward. All right. I'm going to kind of slow down the monologue here. And I want to introduce our guest today. This is a really exciting one for me, actually. I'm, I'm geeking out a little bit. And I have with me here a brand new guest on our show, Oli Moss. And Oli, am I saying that right? It is Oli, not Ollie, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Good job okay. pronouncing it. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> want to make sure I got that right. Um, yeah. I am really stoked about our conversation today. I was kind of nerding out a little bit, even just in conversation before we started the live stream. We're going to talk today about how to maximize profit with better workflow or better systems, which I know for the average photographer probably sounds like a little bit of a nerdy kind of geeky topic. Um, But I'm just going to throw this out here and then we'll come back to it. Something you told me leading up to our conversation today is that you built your business to a point where you were bringing in 300K in revenue a year, which is a number that most photographers would really only dream of or hope to ultimately accomplish. And the only reason I bring that number up is because I want to give context to the significance of systems, workflows that enable that kind of revenue generation. And so we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. Uh, but before we do that, let's start with brand position. Uh, you have a couple of different businesses. Will you share both of those those brands with our listeners and a little bit about each? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. So, with uh, with Oli's images, you know, we are we're about speed and efficiency and getting getting images to our customers super fast. Our prime customer is going to be like team ropers, barrel racers, horse and rodeo kind of people, right? So we're primarily doing uh, big events. We're doing prestigious kind of team ropings. We're doing barrel racing, um, breakaway calf roping, that kind of thing. Not necessarily like a rodeo, which has multiple events. We're, we're specifically honing in on like one event at a time. Okay. And then um, I have Equine Photo School as well, where we're teaching others who want to be equine photographers and do this horse and rodeo kind of photography as well. Which, I, I mean, again, I'm fascinated by this. And we're going to talk more about your business model in a little bit and the significance of systems, why systems matter, because you actually have a really large scale business. It's, I, I would just never, I'm always fascinated actually about businesses 
that you would never consider existing or that you would never consider the need for. You know, there's so many industries in order for us to exist as human beings that have to also exist in order for us to enjoy what we enjoy and do the things that we do. And photography, a lot of times we think about wedding photography, portrait photography, family portrait photography. I don't think about somebody that needs to create a business to photograph barrel racing and rodeos and mm -hmm. horse racing and anything <laughs> related. And you've literally mm -hmm. built a brand around that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think of it as kind of a, like a hobby or like a fun thing to do or like, you know, how did you, did you have fun taking pictures today or, you know, whatever, but it's a business and we do generate significant income. And we'll talk about how you did that here in just a little bit, but let me jump yeah. to the next question really quick. Talk to me about sure. when it comes to customer experience, I think the relationship, customer relationship and experience really is at the center of, of building a successful business, despite all the, the tools and tech that we have to leverage these days. What is a big idea for you behind the customer experience that you provide your clients? A lot of it is we just don't want to keep them waiting. Uh, I know personally, you know, like how I feel is how a lot of other people feel, you know, is you don't want to wait in line, especially like as Americans. I watch a lot of like BBC and they're like, oh, we're fine waiting in the queue. No problem. Uh, but Americans generally are not. So we try to keep our lines short. We we deliver photos super fast. We get them online fast. If they want to, you know, they run, they rope, they whatever, and they exit the arena. By the time they go and put their horses away and go to their trailer, they can pop up their phone and they can look at their photos of their run that they just had like 20 minutes ago. They can order those photos and then pick them up in the booth five minutes later or sometimes less. So it's just like this super efficient system where we can get people their pictures really, really fast. We're not making them wait. We're keeping them super happy. We're delivering, you know, great images. Uh, that's kind of a baseline, but that keeps them you know, happy and satisfied. And then they're ready for the next images, you know, pretty soon after that. So it's just like a great cycle that keeps feeding itself. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious about this. When we, sure. first of all, that's a mind blowing experience that you're talking about. <laughs> you're creating customer experience. The immediacy of the delivery of that, that product is oh, yeah. incredible. Again, we'll talk about how you do that in a bit, but sure. where do you think the, the balance is, or is there a balance between the significance of quality that so many photographers are kind of fixated on and not just quality, but style as well. Where's the balance yeah. between that and efficiency when it comes to that client experience? I kind of like to live life without compromise. I think there can be a way to have both you as the photographer, you set up your lights, you know, like these events I'm shooting at, everything's pre set up the day before we set up everything. So it flows and, and the system works really good. We, I sit there as a photographer and snap pictures all day and then I hand cards to my booth and they're labeled into a nice system and then they're able to look them up efficiently with the sheet that has everybody's name on it and a number that, you know, correlates to an image that I took of that team or that run and they're easily, you know, it's an easy system to just kind of replicate and follow and I can scale that up or down depending on the size of the event. Okay. Well, and, and I want to just add this little caveat for everybody listening in, whether you're live or in, on audio after the fact, we are talking about equine photography, but the principles that we're going to yeah. be talking about in this workflow and systems today are applicable across the board. And I can even see some of that, what you were just describing. It, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. We'll get to some of the details here in just a second. I want to shift gears a little bit. Talk to me a little bit sure. about 
time management. I mean, when, when you're running, especially at the height of your business, I know you've backed off from the amount of photography that you were doing, but at the height of your yeah. business, as much as you were shooting, how did you do all of that work and not get burnt out or do all that work and still have a little bit of space just to kick back and relax a little bit? How did you manage your time effectively? There was definitely times when I got burnt out. So I'm not going to say I never did. Um, okay. I've written a few blog posts about it too and like how to try not to. Mm. But one of the things was like trying to trying to just like make hay when the sun shines and then rest when it doesn't. So mm. I don't know if that's a saying where you're at, but I hang out with a lot of farmers, I guess. Yeah. But they basically, you know, like when, when the time comes to do the job, you do it and you, you go at it, you go hard. And then when it's, when it's done, it's done. You step back, you take some time to yourself. Um, personally, I was taking like winters off and spending them. Now I live here in s sunny Arizona, uh, but I was just coming here for the winter, chilling for two or three months mm -hmm. and then going back at it. Okay. Um, it was a nice kind of give me a break sort of deal. Uh, in between events, I would find something I'd love to do that was free or cheap and, and totally different than photography, which was, um, uh, disc golf you know i found nice. that i really like that yeah. and it was just like a, a chill thing to do call up a friend wherever i'm at you know there's disc golf all over the country so mm -hmm. you can easily just you know pack those around i traveled uh full time for the last seven years and i was all over the western u.s so no matter where i was at there was a friend that would you know be happy to come play disc golf with me that's cool oh, and actually Thanks. stephanie chimed in she was saying okay i'm writing that expression down i love it uh, repeat, cool. <laughs> the, repeat the expression, the quote for everybody again, Ole, if you don't sure. mind. Yeah, it's uh, make hay when the sun shines. Yeah, and I, I've heard yeah. that too. I mean, it's not one an expression yeah. you hear very often anymore, <laughs> but the point is well taken, which is yeah. go ahead, put your head down, put the hard work in when it's time to, take a yeah. break, play hard, rest hard, I guess is kind of <laughs> another way to, to say that. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to keep going too, because I, I really want to dig into this workflow. I'm, I'm fascinated, even as you're describing your, what you did with your business, I'm fascinated by all that you were able to manage. And, and you've got this very nonchalant, kind of easygoing personality, <laughs> which also Thanks. seems like this interesting dichotomy. So we'll get into that in a second. Yeah. But talk to me a little bit about delegation. I know that you worked with a large team, and we'll also talk about that in just a bit. But talk to me about the significance of delegation and enabling you to be able to run the business model that you did. You bet. Uh, kind of like my nonchalant attitude, I had to develop a system that worked well with that attitude because I didn't want to change who I am. Uh, that's really hard. But to find and create a system that works with how I already operate mm. is much easier. So what I would do is I would hire other people that are either my opposites or they're better at something than I am or they're like more outgoing than I am. Uh, I like to be kind of, um, kind of like kept to myself right like i'm not super outgoing i might yeah. sound like it i might appear that way on camera sometimes but a lot of times i really just like to sit at the end of the arena and snap pictures like that was my thing i'd put in my airpods uh you know listen to a book or a podcast or you know otherwise take my mind off the actual taking of the pictures but then i would have a system in place i would hire a crew that could be one other person it could be up to 15 16 other people and they are all, you know, they all have their jobs. They understand what to do. Wow. Uh, we're, we're training them, you know, kind of some are on the job training. They got trained that day. Uh, some of them have been with me for years. Okay. So I, I guess it's, I don't think I've ever heard a photographer <laughs> or even a business person describe what you just did the way that you did, which is right. I know who I am. Like I, yeah. I know the way that I function. I don't care to change that. 
So yeah. rather than just changing that altogether for the sake of the business, let me figure out the systems that will enable me to maintain the lifestyle and, and the persona that I want to. I'm going to create mm-hmm. systems that enable me to do so without stressing out. I think that's really the key. It's like yeah. we, we don't have to, you know, hustling, for example, is, is throwing right. this, this term that's thrown around quite a bit these days. And I think along with that is this notion that we have to go 24-7, like high stress, work 80 hours a week all the time in order to, to hustle. Yeah. And I think there's a balance that can be had when we work intelligently. You put the systems in place that enable you to work intelligently. You worked hard, but you worked intelligently mm-hmm. as well and enabled you to create a really successful business model and not burn out totally. I know you said there are times where you hit yeah. that spot, but <laughs> at the end of the day, the last oh, thing yeah. that we need to walk away from you know, our business with is just a sense of like absolute disgust and frustration <laughs> because we worked ourselves into the ground because we didn't have the, the right systems in place. And um, so again, we'll talk a little bit more in detail about those systems in a second. I want to ask another favorite question though, which is sure. about a favorite book or maybe a number of books. You told me that you've got a few to share yeah. with our yeah. listeners. Jump into those if you don't mind. Yeah. So, I mean, back to like the, the kind of like, I guess we'll stick with this. The first one is the one thing. And I just love this. This is the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results by Gary Keller. Okay. Um, this is like made for real estate, um, like realtors, I guess, but it applies to anybody and everybody. It's kind of ba- the basic premises. Spoiler alert is like you do like you have one big thing that you are working on mm. and then you just work on that until you get done before you move to the next thing. Um, they talk about like a domino effect and, and like, it's just a great book. If you can master the principles in this book, you can do anything. It, it applies to all kinds of businesses, all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just super good. Like, resource as like a baseline to structure your day, your week, your month, your life. So before you go to the next book, I'm curious to get your take on this. Sure. When I think about people like Elon Musk or Richard Branson who have been able to accomplish so much and are doing so much, yeah. obviously for anybody who's not paying close attention or even just <laughs> barely paying attention, they have a massive team that enables all that they do. Right. But that, that multitasking that's still necessary in order to oversee that number of ventures seems to me quite overwhelming. You, mm-hmm. you juggled a team and a lot of different yeah. moving pieces. Where do you think, again, that so-called balance or the line is between focusing on the one thing, which I, I know I need to at times. It's easy for me to be like, oh, this is a cool thing, and I do that for a little bit, and then I go to the <laughs> next thing. Uh, but there right. is some multitasking involved in running companies. So where is the balance yes. between focusing on the thing but then also being able to manage different efforts? It's having like a time block is what they call it in the book. Mm. You're time blocking out your one thing. And so from now until this set time, I'm going to just do this one thing and I'm going to work on this one task. And if it doesn't get done, well, then tomorrow's one thing is still this same one thing. So in photography, for me, my one thing was like in the morning, I have this ritual. That's my one thing. I go through that and that's my prep to get ready for the day. Then once that day starts, there's like an inter- intertwine, like a interim between when I did my routine and then when I help the crew and get, get them all set and get them ready. Mm-hmm. Now, when I go down to where I'm going to shoot from and I sit in the arena, that's my time to do that one thing. And all I'm doing is shooting pictures and that's my one thing. Each of my crew members has their one thing that they have to do. Uh, like the booth manager, their one thing is to manage the booth. You know, the salespeople, their one thing is to sell pictures, be friendly to customers, you know, have make a great customer experience. Uh, so everybody has like their one thing and we do that 
for you know blocks of time and then we kind of reset and we do some other things like your your one thing might be emails at 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. that's your time block to do emails that's your one thing during that time that makes sense yeah so really it's just about it's not that we can't do multiple things it's that we're focusing right. on one thing at a time versus yeah. jumping every five minutes from one task <laughs> to the next to the next screen to the next tab uh, yeah, right. I, I've certainly been guilty of that. And it really is distracting because you're not able to bring that focus that you need to that individual thing that you're working on. That's good. Exactly. That's, I love that practical advice. little side note for everybody listening in or watching. I'm sorry for any background noise. They decided to yet again mow on the day that I'm doing podcasting in the background. So I hope that the, the mic's not picking up too much of that. I think you had one or two more books to share. Ole, did, what, what are those? Yeah. Yeah. So the let's share these in this order because the tools of Titans is like, it's this massive book by Tim yeah. Ferriss. It's yeah. huge. It's thick. I've got the other one, um, Tribe of Mentors, mm-hmm. on my shelf back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is it's cut into three parts, um, healthy, wealthy, and wise. And I just like to read like one of each section kind of every day or at least once a week. And it kind of just gives you a little tool or a tactic or something to like grab onto that you can just run with in your business. So sometimes... I don't get to this every day because I'm working on implementing that. Mm-hmm. I take this and shove it into my one thing slot and mm-hmm. say, all right, the one thing I'm going to do today is the thing that this guy talks about or this woman talks about doing in her business. Um, in Oli's Images, in my business there, one of the things that I learned, I think it was in this book, was to make like uh, videos for your FAQ page. So a lot of photographers have... Uh, like a frequently asked questions page, right? Sure. And it's just a bulleted list of QA, QA, Q, boring, right? Nobody wants to read that. What right. they want is to hear you say it. So that's why I built a studio like this is so I could do this for Equine Photo School. And it was just great. But even if it was just on your phone and you're just talking to your phone just a real quick, hey, I had a customer, you know, like ask a question, I would either write it down for later and make a video, you know, when I could do a better video, or I would just make a quick video, send it to that customer, and then use that on my FAQ page. So whatever system and process works for you, um, whether it's creating you know, actual videos uh, like on a camera, or just using your phone just a real quick, either one of those can be effective. And then when the next person asks you that question, or a similar one, you can send them to that link, or send them that video, or whatever. Oh, I love the practicality of that too, and it makes it yeah. much more personal. You know, right. photographers spend a lot of time, we've talked about this kind of endlessly in the podcast at this point because it needs to be highlighted, but photographers talk yeah. a lot about themselves, you know, what, yes. what they like, what their photographic background is, these kinds of things that in many cases are kind of irrelevant to the client experience, the end client experience. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe putting a little bit more effort towards something that's super practical like this, which has the additional benefit of, oh, yeah. they get to see your face and expression <laughs> on your, in your eyes and, and hear, right. your, hear the tone of your voice as you're sharing the important information with them. I think it's a really wonderful idea, a really practical idea. That's cool. Thanks. Yeah, this book's full of those. So highly recommend getting something like this. Okay, brilliant. So we'll link, we'll link to both of those in the show notes. And yeah. then you've got one more there too. Got one more. Um, this leads into our next question, so I saved it for last, but this is The Rise of the Youpreneur by Chris Ducker. Uh, love this guy's podcast and his books, and uh, just listening to this on my headphones while I shoot is just so good, and I will I will stop the thing and text my crew and say, guess what? We're going to try this thing out I just learned in this book yeah. or whatever book or podcast I'm listening to, and it's just it's great because this 
This book is a lot about outsourcing and finding mm. people to help you, whether they're virtual staff, which is what he specializes in, mm -hmm. or it's in-person staff assistants, second photographers, whatever you actually need for your business. Well, I do want to ask you about that because working sure. with a relatively large team, you know, the, the process of delegation, which largely centers around communication, yeah. it can be challenging. And I'm curious what you've learned for me, because it's been my biggest challenge as a company owner and a team manager working with the team, how to most effectively communicate with that team in a way that resonates with them, that, that communicates what it is that I need done most effectively, um, while also you know, kind of minimizing ego and managing right. different personality types. I mean, there's so many different moving pieces there. But for, for the sake of conversation, communication as you're delegating, what would you say is the most maybe most important two or three principles that enable you to do that effectively? Just trying to like understand where they're coming from and start with where they're already at, like meet them where they're at okay. and then grow together from there mm -hmm. instead of preaching down from a, from a pedestal and saying, mm -hmm. I know everything. Uh, just say, Hey, like, you know, like, what do you know? And let's find out, you know what I know and let's help you get to where I need you to be. Um, that could be making videos for your employees. I have like an, a huge unlisted YouTube channel that just has employee training videos and I'll wow. just send it to them when they need help. Yeah. Um, usually I'll send it the day before and say, hey, you're coming to work for us for the first time. Here's like, check out these three or four videos that I have that are going to teach you how to do the job I need you to do when you, when you come aboard. Yeah. Um, and then I have that available uh, on my desktop computer so it doesn't have to load because a lot of times we're like somewhere where there's no cell phone signal or Wi-Fi or anything. <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy. Uh, but I'll just have them on my desktop so they can view them really quickly if they get stuck during a process. You know, if they're using, if it's like my booth manager and they're using Lightroom to edit photos and process photos really quickly, they get stuck on a part. I, they can just go to that video, scrub through, find that part, and then figure it out from there, do it, and move on. That's cool. I, wow. Yeah, I mean, having that resource available, not only, of course, encourages them to take the time to learn the processes, to do so in a way that probably is yeah. a little bit easier than having to read through a bunch of text notes, right. endless emails and so forth, documents, PDFs. <laughs> Um, but yeah. then it also, there's a personal touch to it, which I kind of like, yep. I mean, it, that you can, again, throw that tone of voice uh, and a and little bit of personality into the communication is wonderful. And then it's scalable, too. Yeah. Again, we're going to be talking right. about sy systems, and part of an effective system is that it's scalable as you grow and over time. And you're able right. to scale that effort of communication with your team members via having that library of videos. I think that's really powerful, too. Really cool stuff. Yeah. This is really practical. I love it. Thanks. And what you said about taking the ego out of it, you know, I mean, there's no ego there because it's just a pre-made thing that isn't directed towards them. You know, you're not putting any emotion behind it. Sometimes when you text, you're unconsciously putting, you know, like, man, this guy's an idiot or whatever. <laughs> you're thinking that, right? Yeah. And so sometimes that comes through on the other end. But this is like, hey, here's a here's how you do this thing. And you're you're not thinking about a specific person or a situation mm -hmm. or like their negative, you know, if they have a negative attitude, um, you're not conceptualizing that and then putting that into your video. You're just making a general video and then they get to follow it. And then they have like a little bit of like self direction, you know, yeah. like they get to figure it out themselves instead mm -hmm. of having to ask you. 
That makes sense. Yeah, and I'm sure that you, yeah. we, all those videos, they have. Act, it's almost like a, a progression too of, of communication. I bet as well. So they get that one thing done. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, I want to learn more about this, and they can jump yeah. to the next video. But something you said earlier, you're talking about ego. Um, mm -hmm. Not only does the, I guess, the kind of neutrality of these videos help in that regard, but the mentality yeah. that you described just a few minutes ago, which is, we're gonna let's. I want to figure out where you're at, and let's let's work on this together. Let's learn this together. That collective right. mentality. Where mm -hmm. and I was just reading a book um, recently that that highlighted this concept, which is rather than having hor or vertical relationships where you're up here and the other person's down here, right. the significance of establishing horizontal relationships where you know you can imagine kind of putting your arm around this person and mm -hmm. coming alongside them, working with them versus talking down to them. I, I like that approach to a relationship. And it's certainly a mentality and attitude that I'm also working on on a daily basis <laughs> in my life, really. Yeah. Oh, I mean, aren't we all? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's part of it. The other thing that we would do as just a general ritual that we tried to do almost every single day, unless, you know, it was like 3 a.m. when we got done, which wasn't uncommon. Uh, we would go out to eat as a group, as a collective, you know, take everybody, whether I, I had one person on my team or I had 15 people on my team, I just go out, buy everybody dinner uh, every night. You know, it was just kind of a wind down end of the day before we go to bed, you know, just a collective thank you. You know, I appreciate you guys for working for me. You know, I appreciate everything you guys have done today. I know it was a hard day. Like, let's go out, let's have a good meal, dessert, everything. It's on me. That's cool. That's cool. It's about yeah. the relationships in the end. Yeah. I love it. Well, I, I want to kind of transition. We're, we're going to actually sure. kind of continue this conversation a little bit about team because it's a big part of what you built as a photographer. But you, you did build, in fact, let's give a little bit of context to the listeners before we talk about the systems that you built to enable this. You mentioned 15 or 16 people on your team. Was that the largest that your team grew to? Did you have larger numbers at times? And how did you build to that size? Yeah, that was probably my biggest was about 16, I think was roughly the, the largest, including um, not including like the virtual team in India. I don't know how big their team is, but it's just like another company I work with. Sure. But my my in-person team that I had on site would be up to 15, 16 people at any given time. Wow. And, and yeah, give us like the, the, the short version of how you built from kind of just starting out maybe as an individual yeah. to building a team that large. What did that progress look like? You bet. So my very first event that I shot was was actually at my parents' house. They they put on events. They hosted team ropens and, and barrel races. I shot a barrel race at their house uh, like two weeks after I got my first camera. Just dove right into the business thing. Uh, it came with a printer, so I had a I was able to print on site that first day. Mm. So I had somebody that was working for my parents. I hired them to work for me for that weekend, and I just realized right then like this is scalable. Like this is already, I could quit my job at this point on day one, wow. let alone like, you know, the next three or four. Um, from there, I went from like having one employee, two months later, I got this gig that was uh, the Wrangler finals. It was a big one. And I knew it was, I knew it was going to be big. They, they had like 6,000, 7,000 teams that go through it's over the course of five to now it's seven days. It was wow. five at the time. Yeah. And uh, we, I hired a bunch of people that I already knew, you know, most of them were working for my mom at the time and uh, they actually all showed up ahead of me. So I had, I was actually in college and it was finals week, but I had to take that gig because I knew it was a big one and I knew like we just had to figure this out. So I made a system in place, I made videos, I helped them um, 
wirelessly. I was on the phone with them constantly when I wasn't taking finals. And I just, I grew them as like a virtual staff. I trained my mom how to shoot pictures for me and everything was kind of going. They did that for like three days before I got there. And then we went for another two or three days after that. Mm. It was just, you know, it was great. I walked them through it all virtually and we did about 30,000 that week. My goodness. Okay, so let's just talk about, and I'm sure the the story continues from there, but I want to go and get into what it looks like to build these systems. And I alluded to this earlier, but yeah, I think there's a tendency for a lot of photographers who would claim to be artist types, maybe a bit more emotional than logical, (laughs) that this idea of workflows and systems is kind of the thing of nerds. And and yeah, yeah, sure, they may spend a little bit of time on it, but, but the priority isn't really given to systems that I think in many cases is needed if not only we want to create a super profitable business, but also have a life in the process too. So right. I'm curious, is, is this a mentality, this, this approach, this seeming natural inclination to systems, was it natural or was it something that you learned over time? I think it was mostly learned. You know, okay. I, I've always wanted to be an artist. I've, I've always, you know, since I was a little kid, kind of wanted to be a photographer. I always thought that was cool. And just, you know, making beautiful pictures is something that I still like to do. I just kind of put that, on the side. I always thought I need a job where I can afford to have a camera. I thought I was going to have to work for some big corporation and then make enough money to afford a camera and then do my art on the side. Mm. And I kind of just made this my day job and then I still do art on the side. You know, I still I created an account called The Oli Moss on Instagram where I share my like kind of art stuff and I keep that separate from my Oli's Images business page or my equine photo school because I don't want my customers to kind of get confused and start looking at me like a hobbyist photographer. You know, I want them to see the images that they're, they are there to see and, uh, and, you know, go to my website and that sort of thing and look at me as a professional in that field. Okay. Yeah, so don't distract from the brand. Editing. Yeah. That's important. Um, I think I think it's just a, it's a foreign concept in many cases for myself included. I mean, I've learned the significance certainly of systems over time, learning to implement them and then working with a team to implement them. I mean, it's it's a really big yeah. conversation, a lot of different moving parts, and it doesn't come natural for a lot of people. And in fact, a lot of photographers right. I think tend to prioritize art over systems uh, mm-hmm. rather than allowing both to coexist. Why do you think that is? Why is that tendency there for a lot of, if not most, photographers? I think a lot of photographers, they're not really conceptualizing what they are doing that is the art part and what they're doing that could be farmed out, that could be outsourced, that will still end up in their hands to do the art part. For example, I work with a company in India. They cut out all of my photos. They do all like the basic retouching. If I do a senior session and they order you know, a bunch of different photos, I'll just send that whole group, that whole order out to them. They do all the basic retouching and then I'll bring it back in and I'll do my style, you know, or I will tell them, here's my style. You guys replicate it. No problem. They can do that too. Mm -hmm. Um, My whole booth crew is basically outsourcing me and what I can do. Uh, There's a lot of photographers that try to do what I do, sit in the arena, and then they have their laptop next to them. They're trying to edit pictures in between runs, and they're here, they're here, they're there, and then it just takes forever. Or they try to do it all after the fact, you know, without a crew, and they, they, you know, they wait. They're making their customers wait two, three days, maybe two, three months before they even get them online. Um, So many photographers are wasting a lot of time 
editing their pictures before they even show it to their customer. And I'll just show customers straight out of camera mm -hmm. on a 50 inch screen, you know, three feet from their face so they can see. If I messed up, they know it, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm putting confidence in my images that they're good. Mm -hmm. uh, people, they're well lit, you know, quality, quantity, direction of light, that's all there. You know, it's framed up well. It's basically ready to go. You know, we do a little bit of retouching after the fact for uh, these team roping pictures, you know, all the sure. horse and rodeo kind of pictures. Mm -hmm. They still get processed. They still get edited before they're printed and and, and or texted or whatever the, mm -hmm. the case may be, delivered to the customer. But I've I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of students with at Equine Photo School, and they'll be bogged down from two or three photo shoots they did this weekend, and then they spend all week editing these pictures, and they're just, you know, they're they just don't have time to talk. They don't have time to do anything. Their their life, you know, is just wasted away in here editing one picture at a time. Yeah. And instead of sending out those pictures to be edited by a team, um, maybe in another company, you could use what Tim Ferriss uses in his Four Hour Work Week book. Um, you know, currency arbitrage. You know, where you're paying in one and, and receiving in another uh, currency. You can do that. And they, like those people are still very talented. They're great. They're professional editors, they're retouchers. They just happen to live in another country, you know. So the price comparison, we feel like we're getting an excellent deal. They feel like they're getting paid well. You know, everybody's happy. And you know, I challenged. I got this one girl that I'm thinking of in mind uh, when I was talking to her about this. I was talking to her like trying to help her get the system in place where she takes the pictures, she does her thing at these. Um, private sessions, what I call them. And then she sends them out to get retouched in her style. Like she teaches them sure. her style and the way she wants things done. Yep. And then they just deliver final images back and then she finishes, you know, sending them to the customer. Yeah, and she said, oh, no, go, oh ahead. go ahead. Go ahead, oh, go ahead. So, <laughs> okay. So she said, um, there's no way that they could replicate my style. And she's only been doing photos for a short time and, mm. you know, just a newbie kind of getting started. Mm -hmm. And so I challenged her. I said, all right, well, I do this personally, at, you know, at all these images, we do this. So if you could go to my website and find these images, you find 10 that I did and 10 that somebody else did. Could be somebody in my booth or somebody overseas, anywhere. Um, find 10 of each, I'll give you $100, you know? like." She just, you know, there's no way you could do it because they all know my style. They do everything in my style. Mm -hmm. well, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't go on there and pick them out. <laughs> well, but you make a brilliant point, and actually a number yeah. of, of really great points. First of all, Thanks. the idea of of art and efficiency don't have to be mutually exclusive, and that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. Mm -hmm. These, the conversation many times tends to lean toward the direction or the side of art for a lot of photographers. And then the, the notion of efficiency, workflow systems comes up and it's kind of like, you know, the mind shuts off at that point, their eyes glaze over. And I get it. I understand <laughs> it. A lot of it's not that exciting to talk about. But mm -hmm. that being said, the cool thing is if we put the right systems in place, including something like delegating editing, I mean, I own an editing company, Photographers Edit, we do the very thing that you're talking about. And right. our, our, our clients are giving up the majority of their busy work that enables them yeah. to, to go shoot more, make more money as a result have a exactly. little bit of time on their hands as, instead of sitting in front of the computer. But right. they're also able to get those images back in if they want to, to your point, they can put finishing touches on it. So this mm -hmm. idea that, that if you delegate or you put systems in place that your art can't also be a part of that workflow is a misnomer because you can have the best of both worlds if you put the right systems in place. I love that you're 100%. Like that. You know, that brings me to like, 
I just keep thinking of these other great artists that we think of, right? Like Andy Warhol or painters of all kinds, right? Um, a lot of those, like the painters, they would do the faces or whatever their expertise was. That was their niche, right? They were excellent at painting faces, yeah. but they would hire a bunch of other photographers that worked, or not photographers, <laughs> painters that worked under them. They would paint the backgrounds. They would yeah. paint the other people in there, right? Yeah. Um, Warhol, he had all kinds of people that were, you know, he would do like the first one-off or whatever. But then he'd have other people replicate it over and over and over and over. And it was just, you know, having those other people around you that support you, you know, they might not be as talented as you to do that one thing that you're known for, you know, your art, but they're really good at supporting your art. That's a great way to put it. And, and it's also a good reminder for everybody, which is mm -hmm. that all of these artists that we see front and center, the majority yeah. of the time have a supporting crew that are oh, enabling yeah. the work that they do. So it's not about just being this one name and doing everything yourself. We're all gonna burn ourselves out if, if we try to take <laughs> on our work that way, yeah. in the majority of cases anyway. And one of our, our viewers on YouTube is saying, editing is something I need to outsource too. I've done it a few times, but I need to do it more often. And uh, yeah. M. Klain, 1989, thanks for listening and watching. <laughs> and it's a great point. Yeah, I mean, this is something, and it's funny, I own an editing company. Delegation yeah. is part of what our brand is about. It's at the center of what our brand's about. And yet I've, even in the last few months, had to learn to further kind of give up more of what it is that I'm doing. And it's mm -hmm. been amazing, the, the experience to kind of give up some of what I have to shoulder for so long now to a yeah. team, a wonderful team who... To our earlier conversation, it's not about up and down. It's this horizontal relationship that I get to work with the team in order to accomplish these things, these goals that we have set out. It feels good. We're able to accomplish so much more. And we also don't burn out in the process, which is, I mean, it's just kind of best right. of all worlds. So I'm glad that we highlight this. I want to get to some of the, the yeah. I guess, concepts, the principles driving the workflows, the systems that you developed that enabled you to build the company that you did. Um, before I do that, I do want to get back to one, uh, one point that we, we kind of alluded to, touched on earlier, which <laughs> is the significance of the client's experience, especially when it comes to efficiency, yes. over client or photographer's preferences. A lot of times photographers kind of get in their own way by kind of fixating on this idea or that idea. This has to happen in order for me to you know, put out this service or put out this product. The reality is mm -hmm. the client is thinking a largely different way what would ultimately make oh, yeah. them happy, the experience that they would be absolutely stoked about is mm -hmm. unreliant on these ideas that photographers are <laughs> fixating on. There's this disconnect that's happening. I wonder if you can just comment on that a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hundred um, percent. As as photographers, you know, like we have this ego, right? Like our pictures have to be, you know, low ISO. They have to be super sharp. They have to be all these things. And yeah, that's kind of like, that becomes a baseline. So if you put that, if you've accomplished those things, you know, sharp images, well lit, well, you know, well photographed, right? Mm -hmm. Like your art is there, that becomes your baseline. And you always have that. Like, yeah, I, I guarantee you that all of my images will be that way. Then you get to start focusing on things like clients. What do they want? What do they need? What do they expect? Um, I'm doing this workshop in Montana coming up and I have several of my old clients that are going to come and talk to the, these photographers that I've had, the students that come to the workshop, and they are going to talk about what they expect as a photographer, like out of these images, what they're going to use them for, why they love them, why they buy them, you know, all this sort of a thing. I'm looking at an image on a screen and I see, you know, composition, I see lighting, I see timing, I see all these things. 
these customers of mine, they say, oh, look at my face in this one, you know? I mean, it's nothing. It could be a, yeah. it could be a totally off image as far as the photographer's concerned, yeah. but they're like, oh, I, you know, I love what my horse is doing here, whatever it is. Mm. So we have a, a totally different way that we look at them, and, and you got to just kind of put yourself over here and then meet your customers where they're at and try to help them get the images that they want. That's a great point. Yeah, because we do tend to kind of project our preferences, the things that are important yeah. to us or to our fellow photographers. We project that on the client and think that or assume that they're thinking about those same things and they're yeah. looking at something totally different. And what oh, makes yeah. them happy is largely different. But, you know, I, and I've shared this before in the podcast. Maybe you've had a similar experience. One of the things that I think about as, as an individual who, I mean, I shot weddings for over 10 years. I have owned an editing company for 13 and I'm still, my favorite thing, in fact, I, I mentioned it to you earlier before we started recording, is are, are the snapshots on my fridge of me and yeah. my kids, me and my friends and family. Exactly. And there are these like blurry, poorly <laughs> color corrected, poorly framed snapshots. It just came from a phone, I think in most cases, printed on a little yeah. Instax printer. They're, they're nothing fancy about them, but they're stunning to me. They're beautiful to me and they you know, make me right. smile and, and think back <laughs> to important moments in my life. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a photographer and I'm an editing company owner. And yet that's really this, the, the nuances that we put so much important on. That doesn't really matter in the end. It's, it's how it makes us feel. And the things that we tend to notice are not what a lot of photographers tend to project onto clients. I think it's just a good reminder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Solid. <laughs> well, let me, let me jump really quickly then to this main kind of question at hand, which has to do with the systems that you've put in place. And I want to spend a little bit of time here as we're coming to a close. We've got about 20 minutes or so. Cool. The most important systems uh, from your experience, and you've worked with a team, you've built a large company, but mm -hmm. what, would you, what do you feel are the most important systems to implement in a photography business? And again, this is not about e just about equine photography. For all of our wedding and portrait photographers yeah. listening in, these principles are applicable. What are those most important principles to you? Well, we first of all, there's like three overarching kind of principles. Uh, first, you got to get a customer and retain. You know, um, what do I call that? Uh, customer. Customer acquisition. Yeah, acquisition. Yes, thanks. Sorry, yeah. drew a blank. Acquisition no and retention. You know, like that's huge. So you yeah. you got to get them in the first place, and then you got to keep them. Uh, and then after that, you know, you need systems in place to to take those pictures once you get them you land the client you set up the date you're there all at the same place and same time what has to happen that day to take the pictures capture those moments do the thing that you were hired to do and then you have to sell those images to them that's how our business works we sell them to them afterwards um, except for private session stuff we get paid in advance but uh you're going to have to have a system in place to sell them, whether that's websites, magazines, um, all of this stuff to uh, like an in-person sales booth. Mm -hmm. But we should start with customer acquisition and retention, right? Yeah. Like that's, let's start there. You're going to need like social media, print ads. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to like acquire customers. You know, a lot of it for me in my company was showing up and having a booth. And a lot of photographers miss out on having that that instant gratification of having somebody there that's representing you and your company and having your images shown to the public as they walk by just foot traffic is is lost hmm. so a lot of us if you guys have like a, a wedding photography yep. you know maybe you have something downtown you have a little shop downtown and you get foot traffic in the door we were doing the same thing 
but I had more of a mobile kind of studio, a mobile booth where I would set that up. I would try to be kind of slightly in the way so people had to walk right by <laughs> me or walk right around me. Yeah. You know, just try to have it in a good location, just like buying real estate, location, location, location. Mm -hmm. And that acquires your customers. It draws them in. They see from a long ways away these 50-inch TVs all in a line, and they say, what's going on over there? You know, they're just like attracted to that. And then pretty soon you get them in the habit of seeking that out wherever they're at. Hmm. And then you have to like, you know, retain those customers. So we have, once they buy online, they, we get their email addresses and, you know, in the booth, we text them their pictures. We have all of that to like retain them as customers. But mostly what we're doing to retain customers is just treating them well, having a great experience. You know, they want to remember that they want to come back. They had a good experience last time. They assume they're going to have a good experience next time. Um, that all goes into like acquiring them, getting them in front of, in front of your salespeople. And then I had a secondary kind of client that I always had to deal with, okay. which is the producer of the event. Hmm. So that's like my main client. And then my salespeople had the individual customers. Um, so there was kind of two tiers there. So we, we had to get the gig in the first place kind of a thing. Okay. So I want to dig into this just a little bit before we go to the photographic process. Um, sure. We talk, you talked about, you mentioned briefly just social media, print ads. We won't spend a lot of time there today because I'm curious to get a little bit more into yeah. your kind of your in-person process, honestly. We talked about sure. building out a booth or a, a, a tangible, physical, in-person experience. It actually reminded me, as a wedding photographer, we used to do slideshows there at the wedding. So we'd photograph the wedding day. Cool. And at the end of the day, one of the two of myself or my business partner would sit down and put together a small slideshow, maybe 25 to 50 images or so uh, from that very day that had been you know, photographed just hours before or even less and mm -hmm. put that in a slideshow that would play to the side on a laptop, on a table cool. with some business cards laid out where people are walking around the reception. They're able to, to come over and look at those images playing and they're blown away by this concept because they're not used to this, <laughs> yeah. right? They're like, oh my word, right. images right away and they're stunning. And oh, by yeah. the way, Holritz photography and there's grab a business card and they can <laughs> take it and go with you. But you're right that yeah. having that in-person experience, that opportunity to see the work and maybe engage with the, the artist okay. really can play a massive role in the process. Now, I know that naturally that's happening because you're shooting there on site. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't sure if you were also describing having had like a storefront of some kind outside of those shooting experiences. Was it all about shooting on site? Those would be like kind of two different things. Okay. Um, I just know that other photographers that are my friends, they have an actual store yeah. that people come by. Mm -hmm. So I just, that I thought of them. Yeah. Um, if we were doing an, an in-person, say we're doing horse portraits or we're doing people portraits and mm -hmm. we're, we're showing up there on site, Afterwards, I set up my iMac or I bring in a TV, you know, depending on what equipment I've got. But I've got a hard case for this with wheels. This I have an iMac right here. Uh, so I just bring that with me, plug it in, upload the photos all to the computer, and then they're dumped on there at the end of the shoot day. And I do the same thing. We kind of do in-person sales right then and there and let them pick out the ones they want. Um, some customers are kind of, they want to have that hands on. So I just hand them the keyboard and tell them, you know, push these buttons here and you know, this chooses it and this one goes to the next one and okay. they just have a heyday. They love it. They laugh. It's so fun. All the outtakes on there and you get to be there with them and <laughs> you just build that rapport, you know, and it's usually like if you do it at somebody's house, there's usually dinner involved too. It's like we eat together. It's this huge, like just team building thing with mm -hmm. you and your client. 
and your assistant. I always have at least one assistant with me at every one of those shoots. And what software are you using to go through those images with them? Just Lightroom or something else? Yeah. Okay. Just Lightroom. Lightroom. No, that's yeah. great. It works. It works great for something like that. So you, easy. Yeah. You talked about collection of emails and phone numbers there on site. And of course that yeah. enables you to follow up with clients afterwards. Are you using particular software to collect that information? I'm using Zenfolio. You are? It's great okay. for that. Yeah. Really? Okay. So, and, and I mean, you and I talked just briefly before we started recording or before we started mm-hmm. live streaming about Zenfolio. I, I have a little bit of history with Zenfolio and I know that you yeah. are an ambassador for Zenfolio. You've worked with them for some yeah. time. They've been actively, and I was literally just talking to one of my team members just this week, actually, about how impressed I am with the active development of the company in the last few months. Yeah. I've noticed they've been doing a lot. It's really cool. Oh, I yeah, wouldn't have huge. pictured Zenfolio as a kind of a, a tool to collect that kind of information. I just think about them as an online gallery. Talk a little bit more about that experience with the plane in the background. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <That's laughs> no worries. Super loud. We're right next. We're not right next to, but we're close to Luke Air Force Base. So oh, okay, that happens okay. sometimes. No worries at all. Um, yeah, they they haven't had like the best for a long time, but it's getting better. And their new platform that they just released recently has got like way better tools for for that kind of a thing for like CRM, having basically. an email base yeah crm yeah. yeah it's super good and they're getting better all the time i would just dump all of those into like my email list on there and they have free marketing for holidays so black friday cyber monday christmas all of these like it just emails your customer list sends them an email says hey we're having a sale and then they email you ahead of time and say hey make sure your prices are are okay and you're not going to lose money or whatever make sure everything is is lined up because we're about to have the sale and then i just take that same spiel that same discount code the same you know email template and i just share that to social media too and tell all my fans on social media say hey uh, we're having a sale at Oli's Images. You know, it doesn't happen very often, but Zenfolio's already done all the work for me to implement the code and, and market it and all that. So I just boost that a little bit more and help out. That's really cool. I mean, having yeah. a tool like that that does that work for you it oh, is, yeah. is such a brilliant thing. I, I used the company for some, for some time. They no longer exist, but that, that offered a similar service when I was shooting weddings. And cool. I know... IPS, you can make so much money with in-person sales, but to have oh, yeah. at least as a supplement, a service yeah. like that Zenfolio is offering that markets your work for you, so you don't even have to touch that part of it, is kind of brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Like, I'll, I'll just, I've been done. I've been kind of retired, semi-retired, I guess, uh, for about eight months now, but I'll still all of a sudden just get an influx of orders I'm like, where did these come from? And then I go through and I see that they all have this discount code applied. I'm like, oh yeah, thanks, thanks, Enfolio for marketing <laughs> Shout out to for Zenfolio. me. Yeah. Totally forgot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's brilliant. Okay, well, yeah. well, we'll probably come back to Zenfolio in a little bit, but sure. Just very briefly before we go to the photographic process, you mentioned the significance yeah. of good experience, and it would sound cliche to some who might be like, yeah, of course you want to offer a good experience. But I, yeah. I can imagine you're super intentional about this too. Can you just give a couple of ideas that are behind that experience that you're talking about like what are you doing in person that helps that person engage have a really cool experience engaging with your brand oh yeah 100 percent. i i'm always kind of looking at what other photographers do and making sure that i do something that's cooler than that right so one is having <laughs> these big 50 inch tvs right okay. 
and they, they're just like attracted to that first of all. And then they can bring their whole family around a big screen TV mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. and they can all look at their photos. Mm -hmm. If they're standing in line behind somebody they don't even know, you know, and they're, that person has a picture that has a funny face on it or, you know, they're doing something silly, they got thrown off, whatever, they can all have a good laugh. And then my team is having fun and my customers are having fun and the people even stand in line, they're not even bored because they're watching on this big screen TV and they're all having a good time. You know, I, yeah. I'm always a little jealous because I'm usually down in the arena and I can see the booth and they're all laughing and having the best time yeah. and I'm down here like clicking away, you know. <laughs> um, and then... I we don't have, know what like, you mean, though. We used to, because I mentioned we used to do this with <laughs> weddings, and we were we only did it on small screen because you know yeah. it makes more sense for your booth. When we were doing these sure. slideshows, we didn't want to interrupt the the reception experience, so we just kind of put it to the side and the laptop. Right. But to see that crowd start to gather around and smile oh, yeah. and laugh and point and oh, that's so <laughs> cute, you know that kind of stuff. Right. Oh, I mean, it, you feel so good getting to to see that. It's really a neat experience. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love it. That's the best. And we would do things too, like having a sheet of paper that's printed out that has all your different sizes laid out, like one over the next. So five by sevens, eight by tens, eight and a half by 11, whatever, you know, 11 by 14, whatever. And say, we can print these on site up to 12 by 18. And, uh, you know, here's the sizes in comparison to another. Because we always got this question early on. Well, how big's an eight by ten? Well, how big's a five by seven? Mm. Well, how how much bigger is the eleven by fourteen than the eight by? They can just look right here on this thing, yeah. and all they gotta do is point and say, "I want that." Um, I was shooting a lot in South Texas, and we a lot of those guys down there only speak in Spanish, so, and I don't speak Spanish at all. And so all they would have to do is point to which ones they wanted and it was great we didn't have a language barrier anymore we're all laughing having fun at the screen cool. and then they say i'll take that one and and that one and you know give me one of those in this size or whatever that's great. really cool yeah i love it well it's just nice to hear kind of the the tangible effort and, and i love the mentality of i know what most photographers are doing I'm going to up yeah. the ante. <laughs> I want to right. be cooler oh, than yeah. them. <laughs> Definitely. All right. So let's jump to the photographic process here. Sure. Uh, what, and again, this may seem obvious to people are like, yeah, you take pictures, but I'm curious <laughs> yeah. to, to approach this conversation from the perspective of workflow and systems, how to make this as efficient as possible for the end client experience and also to maximize profit. So break this photographic process down a little bit for us, if you don't mind. 100%. So at an event, we would show up the day before and every we'd set up the lights, we'd set up where I sit at the camera, like all of my stuff for a photographer and have this huge kind of um, a booth or not a booth, but a studio, okay. <laughs> excuse me, yeah. a huge studio space. It's not something I talk about a lot. So <laughs> words, um, the arena is this huge studio for me, right? So I would set up my lights already, pre, mm. pre-do everything. So it's mm. ready to rock and roll. Mm -hmm. And then we'd go set up the booth and my booth crew would usually show up the day before too. And we would spend, you know, the half of the day shooting or setting up the booth so we could get everything ready and, and have everything just ready to just walk into and have customers go through and everything was perfect. And then the day of the event, the like the first day of the morning of, that would start with as simple as ironing my shirt. Like my daily routine started ironing my shirt, getting my lunch ready, you know, or I'd hired somebody that was, you know, helping us put together food for the crew, you know, during lunch and, and dinner and breakfast even, whatever. So I would even hire that done if, if we were at bigger events where that didn't, you know, I couldn't do all of that. 
And we would just start just as basic as that, like your simple morning routine. And then we'd get to the event. I'd go through, unplug the strobes. I just had like this, this step by step by step process. If you've ever read Atomic Habits, I have it on my book back or my bookshelf back here. Uh, it's like that too, where we're like habit stacking, yeah. you know. So like you're always going to wake up and take a shower and do these things. Sometimes you can slip something else in there that's like, okay, well now that I've done this thing, now I do this thing, and we just have that habit stack kind of mentality throughout the whole day. So I hear two words. Uh, I, I grew up a preacher's yeah. kid, so alliteration cool. is kind of comes natural, I think. But I'm hearing right. preparation. And I'm hearing yeah. process. Those, those yeah. two words kind of stick out at me. You're preparing, which, which is great. When, when there's preparation, you walk into a situation naturally more relaxed because you know exactly what's going on. Yeah. Um, and and some, would, some would argue, well, that's just about control. And yeah, certainly it is. I mean, you're, you're trying to <laughs> sure. set up an environment for it to maximize success and maximize process. Uh, mm-hmm. But then that leads us to that second point, which is process. Understanding what that process is developing a process that you can repeat every time. I mean, that's really at the root of systems, right? Scalable, repeatable processes. And it just makes your life so much easier because you can, again, you can relax. You're not worried about what's next. You know what's coming next. You know you've got the systems in place that enable you to work through that. And that's Mm -hmm. just huge. Now you can just focus on getting that job done. Yeah, exactly. So what I think of what just came to mind, I guess, is a lot of people want this exciting job. They, they're, they're a photographer, things are different all the time, it's mm. exciting and new and there's always something new coming up. Yeah. But I want a boring business. I want a business that I know what's gonna happen every time. Then I can tweak and make a little change and see if that helps or hurts. And that's kind of like, it's boring because you know what's gonna happen, you know what the outcome's gonna be, and then you can tweak, and that's where a little excitement comes, and see what that does, see where that branches you, and you know brings you in a new direction, you try new things. But overall, you want a, a solid, stable business is gonna be pretty boring, really. And that's something that kind of is the opposite of what a lot of creative minds, yeah. like they need that, that creativity, that excitement, that whatever. I just kind of re-channeled that, redirected it to like side projects, doing side things and having a another Facebook page that has my creativity stuff on it. So I still have that outlet. And then that sometimes will feed back in. I'll do something creative and cool over here. And I'll go, hey, that might be pretty cool for all these images. So let's bring that in, try it, test it out, put it in the system, see if it works. Absolutely brilliant. I think it's best of both worlds and a wonderful balance. Uh, we just yeah. have a few minutes left here, so I want to get to kind of sure. this third component of the workflow, which is the, sa- the sale of images. And, and you've alluded to some of this process already, but just kind of walk us through. I mean, you photograph those images. They're downloaded to your, your computer. What happens next yeah. in order to make sure you can sell as many of those images to clients? You bet. So each viewing station where I have a salesperson, a 50-inch TV, and, and a little Mac Mini, they each one of those has all of the photos on it and they're ready to just buzz through we have uh order books excuse me that are in uh duplicate and so they're easy they make a receipt themselves we hand that off to the person that's in charge of the booth the booth manager they print the order or they text the order or whatever needs to be done to fulfill the order if we print out a photo we put the receipt in there if we're going to text it we give them the receipt at the time of purchase Uh, When we print out a photo, I've learned that if you put the photo in a clear, shiny bag, they're, for one, they're way cheaper than manila envelopes. For two, if you put it in a manila envelope, they walk around with this weird manila envelope, you Uh, know, for the day. mm -hmm. But if they're in a clear, shiny bag, 
that garners everybody's attention. Everybody's like, oh, look at that. What's that shiny? There's something shiny over there. And then they see it's a photo. They see it's from today. They see, oh, there's a photographer here. I better go find this photographer. This person doesn't even have to show anybody the picture, but everybody saw it, everybody knows. It's this like snowball effect that we get. So after we get the first couple of orders kind of flowing out there, all of a sudden, all their friends they showed it to, all the people that just happened to see it, they all start meandering over to the booth, right? And then all those people do the same thing, and then more and more, and it's just like, by the end of the day, you know, you're really, really busy and your help is like, all right, this is why we're here. And then it just slams at the end of the day. And then yeah. the next day, same thing, rises up and then boom, drops off. It's great. Wow. Okay. So yeah. that, that kind of explains the in-person experience, which in and of itself, I think can give some, can lend both inspiration and ideas to photographers, even that aren't in this particular genre. Yeah. I, I think a begin about wedding photography. And if I were to go back and be a wedding photographer now, even implementing some of these ideas, even if it's at a smaller scale, I think it'd be really powerful at a reception venue. Oh, maybe yeah. there's communicate, not even maybe, I think important to communicate with a coordinator and the clients ahead of time to know that you're going to set something up like that. Um, mm -hmm. Centering probably the experience around bringing entertainment to the crowd with delivering these images. But then, oh, by the way, hey, if you want to take a print home today, we have this option available kind of thing. That might be really yeah. interesting. But that aside, I'm also curious because this will also be super relevant to pretty much any portrait or, or wedding photographer, the delivery after the fact. So you talked earlier about collection of email addresses, phone numbers, entering that into the Zenfolio system. I know that there's automation from Zenfolio when it comes to sale of prints or images, but did you do any proactive outreach, follow up with those clients in order to kind of build on that, build additional sales? Uh, I didn't really do too much. I know that I could and I probably sure. should and probably would have done even better, but I already had a lot on my plate mm -hmm. and I didn't I didn't see that it was too necessary to like these people mostly have already bought pictures. I just want to hit them up on holidays and occasionally yeah. try not to email people too much. Mm -hmm. I find that I know that if I get a bunch of emails from somebody, I'm like, "All right, I've seen this this person or this company email me too much. I'm yeah. going to unsubscribe. Yeah. So I try to have a nice balance there and, and just do this stuff that's already automated. That makes sense. And yeah. I have to say, I mean, as much as I, again, respect the, and, and you're demonstrating the significance of IPS and the yeah. amount of incredible amount of money that can be made from there. I also understand after the fact wanting to yeah. kind of be hands off. And as, as a wedding photographer, that's exactly what we did. And the amount of sales that we were able to generate yeah. through those automated systems like Zenfolio offers were quite significant actually. Yeah. But we charged a premium up front and didn't really want to bother with the sales after the fact. And so when you have an option like that, uh, again, highlighting mm -hmm. Zenfolio here and, and the service that they, and the system that they offer, I think it's pretty cool for photographers who do want that kind of hands-off approach after the fact. I think it's really powerful. Yeah, just to put a little context in it, some numbers behind it, we were doing like 315,000 overall annually and about 70,000 of that was on Zenfolio. 75, 78,000 was through Zenfolio. There we go. We're back live again. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I was just telling Ole, this, I've literally never done that before. I, I went to hit the keyboard shortcut to, to go full screen on you, Ole, and instead I hit yeah. apparently the keyboard shortcut that takes us off of live. So <laughs> we're back live yeah. streaming again. Apologies to everybody out there. Um, it's, we're finishing the conversation here, kind of coming to a close, though. I mean, you, you made your point, Ole, which is the, yeah. the incredible amount of sales generated through Zenfolio 
what does that amount to be? About 30% of your sales are coming through that automated sales process through Zenfolio. Pretty fascinating, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it was nice to have Zenfolio through uh, COVID. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about COVID on here, but sure. um, when people didn't want to necessarily come to the booth and do the IPS thing, uh, it was nice to have, for one, we just had a self-serve station and we could just wipe it off in between customers. For two, they could just go on their phone in their trailer, you know, after their run, like we talked about at the beginning here. And it was nice to just have Zenfolio and be able to upload super fast. I mean, we're uploading tens of thousands of images a day and we're getting them up within minutes after their run. It was just nice for them to just sit in their own trailer away from everybody or up in the bleachers in their own little spot and shop on your website. They could pick it up or they could ship it home for free, whatever they want to do. It was up to them. You know, if they want to instant gratification, come pick it up in the booth, right? That's brilliant. Well, I, I, we're going to make sure, of course, to link to Zenfolio dot com in the show notes. I'll pop it up here on the screen for anybody who isn't sure of the spelling Z E N F O L I O dot com. We'll link to Zenfolio in the show notes at bocapodcast.com as well. Ollie as uh, your websites, equine or cool. excuse me. I said Ollie, Ollie. Yeah. Forgive me. I'm, it's all good. Equine photo school.com <laughs> and uh, Ollie's images.com. But man, I really appreciate you making time to, to do this today. It's been like yeah. I, I've kind of nerded out about the workflow stuff, certainly. I mean, it's it's definitely up my alley, but this is really important stuff that it's going to enable photographers, is if they are willing to, to invest in developing better systems, better workflows, to yeah. more effectively, not only generate more revenue, to work more efficiently as a result, generate more revenue and profit, but also have a bit of a life at the end of the day, too. All right. Yeah. Well, this has been really good. And, and again, for everybody listening in, apologies for the, the uh, mishap earlier with signing off of our live stream. But <laughs> we're back here. And, and again, major shout out to, to Oli for sharing his wisdom, the practical, applicable information with us today. We'll make sure to link to all his information in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Oli, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. <laughs>